I've been uh, chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. He he has no conscience and he uh, he shows no no remorse. He's the mastermind behind numerous bombings and political assassinations. He uh, has a felony list a mile long: murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism—you name it. He's the most dangerous and brilliant criminal mind I've ever known. I, for years, I've I've been watching him, tracking him, studying his every every move. I know his every every mannerism, facial tick, gesture. I know him better than he knows himself. And now, after all this time, I finally figured out a way to trap him. I will become him. You know, one thing that kind of like stood out to me in this movie um, is the unusual chest hair. There's a lot of it. Yeah. Okay, so define unusual. How do well, you I mean, mean, like, it's it's just relegated to the pectorals for the most part. Mm-hmm. Very little on the, on the actual, like the, like the abs. There's like almost zero. Mm-hmm. It's like they shave the abs, but they're like, it's like, it's like a like a heart-shaped blanket all over their chesticles it's it's definitely it's definitely has to be manicured right i mean i know that body hair patterns are a thing because like i grow hair pretty significantly like across the pecs and then like the entire belly right like the whole thing right just hair Um, like a man yeah like a like a man you know like a man uh like a man grows hair exactly (laughs) um but this shit i would be inclined like i've seen some patterns that were definitely fucking wild in my day like natural hair growth patterns but the thickness of the chest hair, you know what I mean? Like the, like the mm-hmm. density of it doesn't, doesn't lend itself to being completely like, like nubile on the abs, you know, <laughs> it's unsettling. I'll agree with you. It's definitely weird. Yeah. Uh, and with that, I, I guess you guys want to know what we're talking about this week. Um, welcome to Geek Squatch, the podcast all about 80s and 90s nerd nostalgia. I'm your host this week, Caleb McAllister, uh, and I'm joined as always by Alex Hirsch. What's up, Alex? Oh yeah, you know we're here, we're doing it. Talking about movies. Yeah, it's a, it's a John Woo movie, and it's got Nicolas Cage in it. You fucking count me in, dude. I'm down. Yeah, and uh, introducing a new uh, guest to the show, uh, Cecil Xavier from the GNA podcast. Oh yeah, I got you for three minutes <laughs> or more. Uh. I don't even. Yep. Uh, we're already there. Okay. Uh, and if you haven't figured it out yet, we're going to take our faces off. Wait, faces. hold on. Wait. You may like take his face off. off. <laughs> okay. No more face. drugs for that man. No more. No more drugs. Off. Yes. We're talking about that movie, the Nicolas Cage, John Travolta, head to head, tete a tete film. Face Off, directed by John Woo. Oh boy, guys. If you got something to say about this movie, you can let us know. Give us a call at 540-692-9165. You can leave us a voice message, or you can send us an email at podcast at geeksquatch.com. There's a lot of things to talk about tonight. Oh, man. it. 
this movie. Uh, I suggested it. It's my fault. I apologize. Um, you did do this to us. I did do this to you. Uh, wow. Like, I thought this movie was a lot better than I remembered. And and that's funny to me because I know Alex has already posted on Twitter that he's in love with this movie. I will had- fucking fight anyone who says this movie is bad. <laughs> I will physically fight you. Crap, I'm close enough, too. You can come, You can actually fight me. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, you even had a conversation with uh, some pretty, you know, famous uh, games journalists about this uh, about this movie and their love for it. Yeah, I did some her- I did some homework. I did some 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 true journalism type work. Okay, I reached you out. Did. I did some research. I asked permission to talk about them. You did. I think we should set the table. So I think almost everybody that was like probably in their teens in the 90s has seen this film. But if you're younger than that and you didn't watch it on basic cable because it didn't get shown a lot, honestly, because a lot of the gun violence and stuff, then we need to kind of like just get a basic plot. And this movie is, <laughs> as as Alex likes to say, like buck wild. Like in 1997, this film came out. Uh, the script had been running around for about seven years prior, which is pretty incredible. Uh, considering the the overall themes of this movie. But it's basically a bad guy and a good guy switch faces and have their bodies change to look like each other. And then uh, the bad guy gets the upper hand and he, uh, he basically becomes a good guy and uses all the good guy's advantages as a, as a federal agent to try to... Um, I don't know, become famous is kind of the thing he's trying to go for because then he can make a lot of money being famous. And the good guy is now trapped as the bad guy and he has to get out of it somehow. That That's the major plot point. Sure. Of this film. Yeah. That about sums it up. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there's not there's not really much to the movie when you say plot. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty basic on the plot. Yeah, the the overarching story, I mean, if you wanted to elevator pitch this to a person, it's hard not to, I mean, you, you can do it exactly as Caleb did. You know, it's a body switch situation. Uh, one's a criminal, one's a super cop FBI agent, and they have to figure that shit out. That's that's the story. That's the idea. But man, this movie goes places and it does some crazy shit. And it just it this watching this movie, I felt like I had synthesizer because synthesizer because I could like I could smell John Woo happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that Mexican standoff scene is the most John Woo ass shit that's ever been created. All right, well, since you started there, let's talk about that scene because I had lots of problems with that scene. Um Mexican standoff thing was cool, um but when it actually like goes off and everyone's shooting at everybody at, at everyone else, I have no idea what's going on. It is edited horribly. To the point of which, I it's like gobbledygook. It's like it's, it doesn't make any sense. I, I would say that almost all of the action scenes in this movie are okay. I would say that most of the action in this movie, include to especially like the most egregious example is that scene. But I think that most of the action in this movie is that way. All of those firefights are just kind of these like individual frames or or, or, or framed shots of a singular guy doing a thing. And there's not a way, not a lot in the way of like pulled back shots to give you perspective of like who's shooting who and who's doing what. It's all just this very close up of a guy jumping and shooting guns at the same time. There's so much of that. 
and some of it for absolutely no reason. Like there's no reason sure. for for him for at one point Nicolas Cage like does a front flip onto his back for no reason whatsoever. It's, it's like so my son Lane. Um, this is an aside, but my youngest son, six years old, uh, Heather bought this like pic- this like folding sort of picture frame thing, and it's basically just a a, a singular point in the middle where the uh, fold is, and there's two sort of uh, like an L shaped thing that comes off of it, and it it's it folds in the middle to make like a uh, for holding she bought it for her graduation cap but it's like for holding like pictures or like a like an album or something like that like an lp right uh my son when it's folded because it makes kind of an l shape has been walking around using it as a gun that's his thing but here's the thing about it is instead of just walking around and like you know pew, 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 you know whatever just kind of aiming at people he does like moves you know what i mean yeah he, he thinks that when you're shooting you got to do moves so he's like constantly like spinning around or like kind of do you know <laughs> and i think that's what john woo is i think john woo doesn't actually know how guns work <laughs> I think he's a guy I don't think that he does either. I think he's a guy that read a lot of gun forums and was just like, let's just get it. Cause dude, look at the internet firearms database article for face off. There's like 4,000 guns in this fucking movie, like just different guns. A lot of movies will use like six. You know what I mean? They'll just buy a bunch of Beretta stunt double guns and just be like, that's the handgun we use in this movie. This one is like every, my main carry gun. My, my Walter PPK is in this movie. Some throwaway henchman has it. <laughs> Like it's every gun is in this fucking movie because I think he was just like, if we have enough guns, we can detract from the fact that we don't know how they're, how they work. Uh, these Springfield armory, 1911s that, uh, Nicholas Cage's character uses, right? Seven to four to five ACP, seven rounds, one in the chamber, right? This motherfucker shooting off like 27 rounds before he ever reloads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's that level of action to where. You just need to buckle up and realize that you're going to see a lot of guns, a lot of blood, and a lot of explosions, and that's this movie. I'm into it. Now, see, I viewed that scene with the Mexican standoff being like crazy and fray like that. Like, I viewed it as what an actual gunfight would be like being confusing. Not actual literal like they did, but being right. confusing, not being able to track everything that's going on, really only being able to focus on one thing at any given time. You know, like, if I was really there, and I wasn't, you know, shit my pants which I probably would be, that would be like, that would be how I would envision it. You know, everything's going on. You can't really get perspective on anything. You're really just focused on one thing and it, it blows up in your mind as to what is actually happening. That's a really, that's a really good point. All right. Now that I see from that perspective, I'm coming around on it, you know, as, as a flash, like it's just, it's just muscle memory and people reacting and, and you don't know what's happening and your brain can't really process it. I, I'm on board with that. I will say that John Woo is also obsessed with, um, you know, uh, 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 firing, like holding guns akimbo, two two guns in each hand. Oh yeah, it's it's a huge motif in this movie, and completely uh, impractical. Totally impractical. Also, um, he's obsessed with like loading both guns at the same time. I don't know if you noticed that, Alex, mm-hmm. but like he shows some move where like Nicholas Cage has both both guns in his hand, and he's yeah, yeah. I will say this. Of all the movies that I've ever seen where someone is dual wielding pistols and goes to reload them, hey man, if you're fucking super practiced, that is the most realistic way I've ever seen that done, aside from literally setting one down on a table, reload, you know what I mean? Like that That's how it would go, mm-hmm. is having to put one down for most people, right? But Nicolas Cage takes two guns into one hand, kind of like man grips both of them, and he ejects the mags, puts them both in one hand, and then slides the mags into each uh, gun separately while they're in his one hand, and I... Look, man, nobody in the world is going to carry two gold-plated Springfield Armory guns as their fucking <laughs> dedicated concealed carry weapons. They're certainly not going to shoot them both at the same time. But if you're that guy, I feel like he I feel like he pulled it off. He rolled the 20 on reload. Absolutely. He did. 
he did. Um, let's talk about let's talk about John Woo for a second. So <clears throat> before this movie came out, he worked with John Travolta on Broken Arrow, which is actually, well, again, in my mind, in my memory, a good movie, or at least a a decent movie, where John Travolta kind of had a big comeback. He plays a villain in that. Um, he plays the terrorist. He plays the uh, the the um, Caster Caster Troy. Troy. Yeah, he plays Caster Troy, basically. Um, so so an not, agent of chaos, indeed. Yes, he is. He is definitely uh, chaotic evil, right? Um, I think Nicolas Cage just kind of lives in chaotic neutral, probably. Yes. Oh my god! Um, yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> Nicolas Cage may be one of the best actors that we we have been graced to live alongside. Uh, he's very good. Uh, and then, you know what's funny? Uh, you, you know, you get peak Cage, like in the first, I don't know, five, ten minutes of this film. And then it goes away. And it's really sad because every time John Travolta is playing Nicolas Cage, he never goes far enough. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like he gets really close a couple times to being... Nicholas Cage. And he's actually is a really good mimic of Nicholas Cage in real life. Um, he has a really good walking impression too. But he just doesn't go far enough, which is funny to say because his acting in this is fluctuates between decent and way over the top. Mm-hmm. I would but say just not quite Nicholas Cage over the top. I think now is the time to blow my load with my special hot take that I got from my guy because it especially relates to that idea uh so one one dan reichert i'm I'm just gonna name drop hard right here i'm gonna pretend like i'm like way more cool than i am uh i talked to one dan reichert of giant bomb podcast giant bomb well now the giant beast cast um and i know that dan is a huge fan of nicholas cage but also of face off he's talked about a lot of times on the giant bomb cast uh so i wanted to hit him up i I just for whatever reason when you said i want to switch my topic this week to face off it's one of the first things I thought was like, oh, that's some Dan Reichert shit. Let's check that out. Uh, so earlier today, I messaged him on a whim, just thinking like, you know, surely this guy's busy. E3's coming up. Like, surely this guy's too busy. Uh, but he got back to me and he said, I, you know, we had a little talk about it and whatever. Um, and I asked him if I could get a quote about the movie. Just like, Dan, what are your impressions? What's a thing that I could say on this podcast? What do you like? What do you think? Dan's take. And I quote. Face off is special because it's an inherently insane, cheesy plot. But both Travolta and Cage bite into their roles so hard. They aren't sleepwalking through this bonkers movie. Instead, they both seem to relish just how crazy it is. They seem to be having fun with it, and that's a big part of why it's fun to watch. And, in quote there, I, I completely agree. Like, yeah, the acting fluctuates from time to time, but I think the two of them, this had to have been one of the most fun movies to ever make. Right? Because you get to pretend to be another actor, and like, assume their mannerisms but also you're playing a character but that character's playing another character like it's there's a lot to unpack here as far as like what kind of just batshit crazy like lack of not lack of ego but lack of like self you have to have that that all actors kind of uh possess you know uh i just think it's very interesting like the the shoes you have to walk in to film a movie like this you know from start to finish like that's there's a lot of demand on a person to, all right, you're going to play this character, but don't play this character like John Travolta would play him. I want you to play him like Nick Cage would play him. And it's like, fucking excuse me. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Nicolas Cage originally turned down the film because he didn't want to play a villain. Um, and they kind of, I don't think he really read the script all the way through because he didn't realize what part they wanted him to play or something. 
Um, Because they said, you know, you're going to be the good guy for a good 70% of this movie. Um, And you just flip flop, you know, the beginning and the end. Um, Well, the end, he goes away because he's no longer needed, but he's the good guy, essentially. Um, And it's interesting, a lot of interviews that I read um, and watched on YouTube kind of mentioned the same thing where John Travolta's like, hey, um, this movie is great because we both get to kind of dip our toes into the villain pool, but also get to dip our toes into the hero pool. And it's kind of the best of both worlds because a lot of people don't want to play villains, but they also don't want to play heroes all the time either. So you get to kind of have your cake and eat it too, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, because John Travolta uh, did play a villain in Broken Arrow uh, and he has played villains and kind of um, gray characters and other movies and he's not afraid of that uh but nicholas cage is mostly known for playing a good guy mm-hmm. uh, at this point up until this point nicholas cage was largely a character actor though like that was the thing is he he was he had had a couple leading roles but like up until 97 or so uh which i would say that face off is probably like the apex of uh, Nicholas Cage's career, not maybe like when he got most popular or maybe when he was most known sort of in the, in the pop culture aesthetic, uh, or, or, or pop culture, um, uh, you know, mainstream idea, I guess I'm losing the word here, but, uh, before that Nick Cage was in a, like a lot of character acting parts, you know, this was the first time where it was like, all right, dude, here you go, you know, go crazy. And what's wild about that is, I would argue that this is probably the most Nicolas Cage movie that exists. Certainly the most popular Nick Cage movie. Really? I don't, what about Con Air? Con well, Air's up there, about, but he, I, I don't think he was unleashed. I don't think he was unleashed like this in Con Air, though. Now, see, in Con Air, he played a lot of his, like, his old movies because in a lot of his older, older movies from, I say old movies, older than 97, he really plays that subdued character. Like, it's almost like they walk up to him and say, hey, we're going to put this leash on you. No, no, make that. We're going to put this shock collar on you. If you start getting too cagey, it's just going to zap you and you're going to go back to being mellow. Well, and consider that Nick Cage. Okay, here's something I have to say. And please, anyone listening whose stupid cousin is in acting school. Don't come at me with this shit. You have to be an inherently broken person to be an entertainer, right? To be a comedian, to be an actor. You have to be kind of this... I don't know that from experience, but it's a thing that I hear a lot, so I imagine it's true. You have to be able to kind of separate yourself from that stuff. Now, there's that idea, coupled with the fact that Nicolas Cage is the nephew of Francis Ford Coppola, which means that he is in a movie family, because that's just one tie that he has to, like, literally aunts, uncles, everything, cousins, everyone, who have been in and around movies his whole life. So when you grow up around a bunch of actors, I don't know, man, I don't make to, I don't want to make presumptions about the guy's childhood. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't read anything about it. I don't know anything about it, but I imagine it lends itself to a more chaotic and creative individual. And Nicholas cage, you can say a lot of things about that man, but I guarantee he's one of the most creative human beings you've ever met. I guarantee a conversation with conversation with Nick cage is absolutely insane. Uh, I would agree with that. I mean, the other thing I want to point out is that there's a kind of a trilogy going on in 1996, 1997 with The Rock coming out first and then Con Air and then Face Off. Like these movies have a lot in common. They're way mm. over the top. He's he's playing a, a good guy that's kind of out of his element in all three of them um, with the with Face Off being more like a a character study than anything character study of John Travolta's character. 
Um, and, and they actually hung out for two weeks prior to principal photography on this, on this movie. Hmm. Uh, so they could kind of just kind of get to know each other a bit more, um, kind of pick up on little ticks and stuff. And, and they ended up agreeing on, uh, on like a few things that they could definitely go to, uh, and, you know, John Travolta, like I said, pretty good mimic. He actually like picked up on a lot of his mannerisms, even the way he walks and stuff. Uh, and I just think Nicholas Cage is not as good at doing that. There's a lot of weepy cage in this movie. I noticed like a lot yeah. of crying. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was, I think it was an attempt to, it, it really, what well, really sucks. Okay. So this is going to lead me to a point that I really wanted to make at some point during this episode. I think that while we get to see some of the most unbridled Nicolas Cage that you can possibly see in a movie during Face Off, I also think that um, the moments in which he plays uh, John Travolta's character, uh, Archer, I think are the weakest parts of the movie. I mean, really, mm-hmm. like his his whole mimicking uh, – what's his, what's his first name? Steven starts Sean. Sean. Jesus Christ. I just watched this movie like three hours ago. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) already forgetting everything i'm so bad at names dude just across the board um but mimicking sean archer uh i think put him in a place where he was forced to play a sympathetic character because it's the hero you know and i just truly i mean looking back on it now at the time here's the thing at the time these roles were praised to the highest i mean people were like Mm -hmm. holy shit they did it guys they really did it and i think maybe with you know now 21 years removed uh looking back on it you can kind of start to nitpick this stuff but like i remember the first time i saw it i was probably i didn't see it in theaters because i would have been like 10 i think i probably saw it like maybe a year or two later you know what i mean blockbuster kind of rental sort of situation um and I was pleased, you know what I mean? Like I, it, it all, it felt good. I think this is just the summation of, you know, what we got with Die Hard, um, you know, towards the the beginning of this sort of action, this bombastic action flick uh, situation. I think that Face Off was like the capstone for that shit, because until you start introducing sci-fi elements, until until you know, ten years later, you get Transformers. I think that Face Off was kind of like the highest level of this set destruction insane budget just like blowing shit up shooting things crazy action movie uh we didn't really get a lot after that i mean the, the mid 2000s the early 2000s there's not a lot of that shit going on i mean we had the no, matrix the matrix but the matrix yeah. is super heady sci-fi shit you know yeah. this this was the the every man this is the sh- your dad likes this movie you know what i mean I mean, your dad. I don't think my dad Yeah, your dad probably but, doesn't. But like I'm, every I'm dad sure I know dad doesn't. Oh <laughs> uh, well, maybe a maybe a maybe a faulty statement. Every dad I know, I'm a dad. Every dad I know likes this movie. Okay. Well, my dad is a very British person, so he likes very British things. Dry humor. Talking about getting someone's face off. It uh, just not his cup of tea. There you go. <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second? There's a lot of problems. Well, okay. Let's talk about the first thing I want to point out because I have notes here from watching the movie. You're an assassin. You're sent to kill. You're, you're, you're Caster Troy, mm-hmm. which, by the way, Caster has a brother named Pollux, which is a reference to uh, constellations in Greek mythology, and they make up the two halves of Gemini, which mm-hmm. kind of makes sense because these two characters they actually do look a lot alike. They, you know, and actually, and and as done on purpose. Yep. Caster's brother Pollux is the intellectual. He's still super, you know, crazy and whatnot, but um, he's not the physical one. Whereas 
Nicolas Cage's character. Caster is definitely the, the the more physical of the two, and he's the brain. Well, not the brains, but he's the action where, where he's Pollux the face. is the brains. Yeah, he's the face, whereas Pollux is the brains. Um, So for whatever reason, which is not explained, Caster is sent to assassinate Sean Archer, an FBI agent. And in doing so, he shoots through and through Sean Archer on a carousel when he's got his boy in his arms and doesn't kill Sean Archer, but instead kills the boy. And Sean Archer, even though he's shot through the chest, um, about two inches or an inch right of his heart, manages to crawl over to his little boy and hold his dead body to him and cry. Now, you're an it's sad, dude. It's it's literally it's very sad. Oh yeah, it's very sad. It's even got the little tiny balloons. It's supposed to let us know that it is sad as they float away. Oh, and, and, can we talk uh, about really quick before you make your next point? How that entire scene is filmed in like a in like the '90s memory effect, where like everything's yeah. kind of glazed and out of focus, and they have like the twinkly music, and it's like yeah. it's like John Woo was just setting you up to let you know that none of this shit's believable. <laughs> And it's like, it's not even sepia. It's like this weird, I don't even know. It's kind of like sepia tone, but it's, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's desaturated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So your job is as an assassin is to kill this man. Mm-hmm. You've now shot him. You can see him crawl over to his child's dead body. That is made very apparent by the, I think he drops his cigarette or something like that. I think, uh, I think I, Caster... he, de- he, he definitely, he definitely like stops and stares for a moment. I don't remember if he drops a cigarette or not, but he definitely, he definitely like, he takes it in. Yeah, and he has a very bad mustache in that scene, too. I would argue uh, it's a very good mustache. I mean, <laughs> as far as mustaches go, but... <laughs> Looks like a caterpillar on his on his face. Look, it's no Tom Selleck mustache, but let's just agree. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not like he stopped shaving when he was 14 and just like, this is my mustache, guys, and it's all wispy and soft like Cottonelle, you know what I mean? Like, it was a real mustache. He could have been a cowboy with that mustache. Has he done a Western? I don't think he's done a Western. He's definitely done movies where he's had Southern accents, and he's definitely done movies where he was in the Southwest, but I don't know that he's ever been a cowboy. Oh, I'd like to see that. I would really like to see Nicholas I'm just going to go ahead and Google that while you're talking. Go on. All right. But no, that's my point is like he did not kill Sean Archer and had a very big opportunity to do so, and that bothered me, and it set me off on the wrong path for this movie. Hey, guys. <laughs> I'd like to inform you about a 1993 movie called Red Rock West. In which Nicolas Cage is most certainly a cowboy. Uh, yeah. I thankfully don't remember that. It's not like a modern cowboy? Yeah, definitely like a Walker, Texas Ranger. Not necessarily like an Old West, you know. We're not we're not talking John Wayne, but anyway. Okay, hold on. Can we talk about one like major thing that I still to this day could not figure out I cannot wrap my head around? Okay. They switched faces. Correct. Right. Face Just off. faces. No, they do mention that they do body contouring to John Travolta. Yeah, they did say, like, we're going to take away your love handles and, you know, they, they, they go through a whole thing. We're going to deal with your hairline. We're going to they, they have a, there's a whole thing there. I, I understand. But there's there's a height difference. There's also bone structure difference between the two guys. No amount of contouring is going to fix that. Nicolas Cage has that jawline. And I understand, like, in this movie, you know, Nicolas, or not Nicolas Cage, uh, uh, John Travolta has, has, has that jawline, right? And I don't re- I don't remember how old he is when he filmed this. But, I mean, the guy's, what, in his late 30s, 40s at this point, right? Uh, so he's got a little bit of that sort of where you get what I like to call fathead, which is what happens when you drink a whole bunch. <laughs> um, that being said, for his age, Travolta looked great in this movie. I'm not 
disparaging his looks. I'm just saying, like, the dude has a has a, a jaw situation that you don't just get to swap faces on and be like, that's Nicolas Cage. Like, it doesn't fit. Yeah, like, Nicolas Cage's <laughs> head is way more round than... And narrow. John, I think. He's, yeah, got, yeah, he's got, like, John a narrow Travolta's. head. John's, like, a square. It's a square peg in a round hole. And I've never, like, I've never wrapped my head around that. Not to mention, like, say that the only thing that you could tell him apart from his blood type, which is not true because fingerprints, they don't mention that at all. Mm-hmm. So their their hands aren't being altered. So their fingerprints are going to be different. Um, their bone marrow would be different. Their DNA in and of itself is different. Sure. They don't mention any, he doesn't have to take any anti-rejection medication because it's not his skin. They did say that they have, like, anti-inflammatories that reduce the healing time. So, like, maybe... Like, a lot of that stuff's probably implied, right? I mean, you can get really nitpicky about it, but, like, they also have fucking maglock boots in a prison on an oil rig. So, at some point, like, what do you even fucking... Like, where do you start complaining? Speaking of those boots... (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I got it first. Speaking of those boots, I looked at those boots, and I said, hold on, I know where those boots are from. They actually came from the Goombas in Super Mario Brothers. Yep. I I never noticed it when I first watched that movie way back forever ago. Yeah, and me when I either. saw it this time, I went, "Hold on, I know those because I watched that movie two times recently because I was going to be here, and then I couldn't." Where were those boots sitting for four, five, six years? Probably in Nick Cage's like closet. He probably Nick Cage is like their Nick mind. Cage is a collector. He's a collector. Yeah, the guy collects stuff. Did you guys read the story last year where he like went to Mongolia to return some sort of like ancient it was like bones or something or like a skull or a tyrannosaurus head or something? Like, man just collects shit. Which I appreciate because that's that's me. Look at my basement, like Caleb knows. I I, I have things. It's it was really interesting. Um I watched the Inside the Actor Studio with John Travolta um when they talked about this movie in particular. And uh John said something super telling about Nicolas Cage. He said, uh that he taught Nick, or at least tried to, about appreciating the little things in life, basically. Mm-hmm. Because when they were having that two weeks prior to, to filming, um, they were having some conversation or whatever about like little pleasures they enjoy. And Nicolas Cage is like, you know, man, John, sometimes I just wake up and I feel like buying a nice, fine piece of glass. Hell yeah. And John's... John's like, no, I, I don't have that, actually. <laughs> you um, know what I like? I like a good orange. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how John Travolta talks at all. He has a very no. high-pitched voice for such a handsome man. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, in, in that same conversation, he talks about, like, spending more for things that have deeper meaning. And so it was kind of like, you know, he's like he said, I would read the New York Times instead of go see a movie uh, or, or uh, watch TV. I would go see a French film instead of seeing an American film because I appreciate it like uh, a deeper experience, quote unquote. And then Nicolas Cage is like, I just want to buy glass. Yeah. Hell (laughs) yeah. "Mm, I think that's why you have some money problems, my friend. Yeah. But Nick Cage is also out there like, like, like really out there. Like there's eccentric and then there's Nick Cage. I think he's bipolar. I mean... I mean, probably. Uh, I don't know. I mean, look, the guy, that's actually a pretty good case, Caleb. I mean, probably. Um, the guy obsesses over things, and I respect that a lot as a guy who obsesses over things, <laughs> over everything I do. Um, he seems like a hobbyist by nature, you know what I mean? He's, he's you know, 
uh, a comic collector. He has he has Action Comics number one. You know what I mean? He was obsessed with Elvis to the point that he even gets somehow shoehorned into every movie he's in, including this one. Uh, to the point that he married a Presley. You know what I mean? Like he married Elvis's daughter. The guy obsesses over things, and I think honestly. Look, if you want to take an actor that's as close to Caster Troy as you can possibly get, aside from the fact that Nicolas Cage is probably a, a genuinely good person, I imagine. Uh, but as far as like chaotic tendencies goes, just fuck yeah, dude. Sign me up. That guy, that guy's in. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 I say Nick Cage is out there. I would still love to just hang with the dude for a day and just see if I could keep up. I know I wouldn't right, be able to, right. but I'd love to try. I'd love to just sit down with him and have some beers and be like, all right, dude. What's your thought on, I don't know, astrology? And he'd probably start talking about glass. I'd be like, that's awesome. Hell yes, let's go. Uh, we need to talk about some other members of this movie. I mean, the, the majority of the Do film, we, though? Yeah, I want to talk about... There's some weird, weird casting. Not weird, but like some really funny casting in this movie. Margaret Cho, the comedian, is like yeah. is one of the FBI agents, which I was totally blown away by. I totally forgot that. In like John a throwaway Carroll, role. Like she's, she's, totally. just, she's just kind of there, you know? Yeah. Uh, John Carroll Lynch is that prison guard. He's on the Drew Carey show for like six seasons as Drew's brother. And he's in a, like a million other things as well. Incredibly punchable face in this movie. Yeah. Gina Gershon in peak hotness is in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't know, man. 2011. 2011. Oh, she's still Gina hot. Gershon was pretty good. Yeah, she's still like she's getting it. I wouldn't kick her out of bed for eating cookies. There you go. For real. Um, who else? Oh, um, one of my favorites, Thomas Jane, is in this movie. Yes, he is. Thank he's you. A, he's actually Thomas Jane. is it, It's a it's a weird like thing I got for Thomas Jane. I just love Thomas Jane for some reason. Not actually. Yes. Like, I love my wife, but I really enjoy Thomas Jane in movies. I agree with you. Have you seen The Expanse? By the way, just I'm just saying that's yes, yes, it's good I have. Thomas Jane. It's I, good I, Thomas I, Jane. I, I, Take, I've taken down season one. I'm gnawing at the bit for season two for it to come out on uh, Amazon Prime or whatever. Yeah, it's... Th- thank you. I'm just so glad to hear another person say that out loud. Thomas Jane's very good. Well, dude, I I loved him. And I think after this, he was in The Punisher. Um, There was a movie, I think, either The Mist he's or The Fog. He's yeah, my Punisher. Yeah, my Punisher. He's very good. Th- that scene with the Russian, like, mm-hmm. that's The Punisher that right scene, there. Speaking of which, that scene with John Travolta. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, like, John Travolta's in The Punisher. It's great. Uh, and then also Danny Masterson uh, is in this movie as well. He plays the guy who tries to basically date rape um, uh, Sean Archer's daughter in the car. And he's on that 70s show. He played Hyde. Yeah. And then in March 2007, he was uh, four women alleged that they were raped by Masterson in the early 2000s. So maybe, you know. Life imitates art. Yeah, imitates maybe he's a life. scumbag. We were, we were going through a, that 70s show rewatch right now, and I was telling Heather, I was like, man, I just fucking love Hyde. Like, Hyde is so great, you know, just blah, 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 blah. And she's like, yeah, you know, he's a scumbag, right? And I'm like, hold on, what? And of course, she had to break my heart and tell me, and I was like, damn, thanks. Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. I also want to talk about Joan Allen. She plays Sean Archer's wife, and... Both her and and John Travolta, they seem to have aged them by a little bit. Like they gave John a bit more gray than he actually had at the time, and they seem to age her quite a bit in this film, with the choice of attire and hair. 
Well, she's got she's got to seem like sort of the the frumpy wife, right? Because uh, you know, we read um, we read uh, Sean Archer's journal at one point and find that like she's not putting out, like she's really frigid and blah 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 blah, and that's like sort of the frame they put her in. So you've got to make her look a little more, I guess, matronly, you know, um, rather than like some sort of bombshell, because that's like people weren't ready for that kind of dichotomy, <laughs> that kind of characterization, you know. Actually, I think that was her journal. I think that he. They're not, they're not, you know, meeting in the middle. I think so. I looked at the handwriting and it did not seem very... It definitely seemed girly. It definitely, it definitely seemed a little feminine. Yeah. Which I mean, there's rumors about John Travolta. So, you know, it's possible. He doesn't, he sleeps during the day and stays awake at night. He's a man from my own heart, you know. (laughs) If only you're the same size, you could share wardrobe. It it really sounded like you were going to get into the lumberjack song there. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I really thought you were going there for a second. Oh, there was a couple other people in this movie that I was like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. Um, there's Paul Hip, I believe, is the guy I'm thinking of, who played um, one of the henchmen. Um, Talking about the, the scar-faced man? Yeah, no, that's not Paul Hip. That's um, somebody else. But, uh, man, like that guy is also in Braveheart, and I love him to death, and I'm blanking on his name. Well, I can tell you, Tommy Flanagan is, uh, is the man who had the uh, cuts on his face, who, by the way, he was like, I don't know, mid thirties or something when this movie was filmed. The guy looks like he's like 19 guy, like primo jeans, I suppose. Um, but I was wondering because I recognized him and I wasn't really sure where from, as it turns out, he's just generally kind of a background bad guy in a lot of movies. Cause he's got scars on his face. Um, Braveheart. He was in for sure. Uh, but I was wondering, I was like, okay, so what's the deal with these, with this, with this guy, with these cuts? Like I had to look it up. So as I'm watching the movie, I'm kind of like, you know, Wikipedia, IMDb, whatever. And uh, he got them their slashes on his face while he was working as a DJ at a nightclub in Glasgow. <laughs> Which, Glasgow's a rough town. That's a fucking place to get your face cut up. From all accounts I've ever heard, that is definitely a place you can get your face sliced. That's so, where the term Glasgow smile comes from. Yeah. And they cut you from, from ear to ear on your neck. Yeah. So, but anyway, I just thought it was just that guy plays a good henchman in, in everything I've seen him in. And I just wanted to give him a shout outs. Cause I feel like he's never had a good role. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Cause I think he's probably a pretty competent actor, but he yeah. keeps getting these small roles. Give Tommy Flanagan a lead role. You cowards. <laughs> uh, we should talk about the, the stunts in this movie. We kind of touched on the editing and I just feel like, I feel like the stunts are just looking back on it. It may, it maybe it's just, hindsight are not very good you can see wires on people the explosions are just just nutso as far they don't make any sense whatsoever when when the speedboat actually crashes into the port authority police boat and crashes Mm -hmm. through it it explodes as if it was made of napalm or something well don't you know that's what they make those boats out of back in 97 they actually the the what what held them afloat was napalm yeah (laughs) it's true it's buoyant. It's a buoyant chemical. It, hey, man, you ever you ever spread like gasoline and kerosene over water? You see how it floats on the top. I mean, I'm just saying. Exactly. It's physics, man. Come on, Caleb. <laughs> Idiot. Idiot. <laughs> uh, the name of the prison is Erewhon, which is just an anagram for nowhere, by the way. Yeah. And... I have a problem with, we mentioned the boots, and, and they give him these metal boots when uh, when Nicolas Cage goes in to infiltrate and find out where the bomb is. By the way, 
there's a chemical a weapon in the LA convention center in this movie. And it's timer is set for like nine days after it was originally planted, which makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, if the dude is there and he wants to set it off, why didn't he do it like four hours or six hours? You can get out of town and far enough away. That doesn't allow for a B plot of a guy being in a prison and having to figure this shit out. Yeah, obviously not, nowhere near as dramatic like four hours pff, that you can't build angst in four hours like nine days that's a hell of a lot of angst yeah anyway so john travolta as caster troy has to infiltrate and talk to to pollux to find out where this bomb is because they don't know where it's at at the time and by the way he blows his cover like immediately find, finding out which is the dumbest thing ever to do right right Oh, hey, thanks for telling me where the bomb was, little brother. Wink. <laughs> you like, idiot. What are you doing, dude? You're an FBI agent. Yeah, you're supposed to be a, a crack FBI hey, agent. Hey, guess what? You're still in fucking prison. Who's to say somebody doesn't come up and fucking murder you? Which by the which by the way was the what was the fucking end goal? How was he supposed to? I imagine I guess the people who were burned alive by cast, actual Caster Troy. I imagine somebody because no one knew about this mission. So I imagine one of them were supposed to come back and like check on him because it's not like he can just be like, "All right, guys, I'm done with my secret mission now. Guards, please let me call my family." Like, <laughs> no one knows about up. it. Yeah, he's the, just locked up. The safe word was banana. <laughs> ah, yeah. see, that's where he fucked up. That's where yeah. really I fucked up. Forgot to say for you. Word. Never use fruit. It's very it's a very common word. Especially uh, phallic fruits because they look like dicks. And sometimes people say, like, let me get that sick let me get that sick banana. Yeah. Oh man. The the thing that bothered me most about that is it's got these uh these boots on that we you know from from the Mario movie, somehow. Uh those are still around. And those are what they can use to lock the prisoners in place so they can control the population. And they say that the whole place is one giant electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. How would so it be those, possible? So those TVs are doing great. Right. That's Pace my point. They can't it. have closed circuit TV. They can't have like half the technology they have in the control room because it would be interfered with. And I thought to myself when they said that, because I watched this movie today for the first time, like since, you know, almost 20 years or whatever it's been. And, uh, so I watched this movie and they said that and I'm like, oh, okay. So if the whole thing, that was my first thought is like, if, if this whole fucking place is super magnetized, like that's a problem, right? So I'm thinking, okay, well, if they have monitoring or technology or computers or whatever, they're probably in some sort of shielded, like isolated area of this, this prison, right? And then you fi- come to find out during the jailbreak sequence later in the movie, they're super fucking not. It's literally upstairs. <laughs> like, yeah. It's fucking 30 linear feet up. Like that's got to shield it from all the the, the EM frequencies. I, I don't know, man. I'm like, not a scientist, but I'm just saying. It just hit me. Like every one of those guards, they probably have to replace like every single credit card they have. Every, <laughs> every day. oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know why, man. I just keep coming down here and then and I come back up and all my credit cards are wiped. I don't understand. It won't work. Yeah, my feelings keep hurting every time I'm down here. It's the strangest <laughs> thing. What blows my mind is the oil rig was like quite literally right next to the shoreline. You see when he jumps off the oil yeah. rig and that thing is like fucking, it's like 200 yards from the shore. And I'm like, what are you, really? And they, make a, they make a point of saying like that the uh, that they're in international waters and it's a black site. No one knows where they are. It's like, Got come it. on, man. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> wink, wink. Oh, man. I have Florida on the bottom of this mug, and I don't know why. You see that, boys? That's not going to play for audio for audio people. But I, that's I do. Just, Florida company, it says. Yep. That's upsetting. Uh, so let's talk about... Uh, there's so many different things. Yeah, what do you got now, Caleb? What do you got else that we can, um, you guys can pretend to shit on? And I'm going to try to explain away because I love this movie well, so much. Hold on, I haven't been shitting on all that much. <laughs> you I've haven't actually been on you your side here. You're right. You're right. I will call out how ridiculous this movie is ten times out of ten. But let me tell you, this movie is it is up there now in my probably like top fifteen movies of all time. I love this film. This movie is all the best things about the '90s. It's cheesy. It's got a amount of campiness to it that you just you can't get anywhere else, and it's got stellar actors doing like the best they friggin' can. I mean, you yeah, put all that together, work. you've got a you've got a classic in your hands. So I wanted to touch on something, Caleb. While you're trying to find your next point, um, you mentioned the special effects and how they're kind of bad, right? You know, especially the the you know the boat scene and blah 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 blah. And like, yeah, they are in hindsight, but. Have you seen The Matrix recently? I know you have. That's a that's a rhetorical question. But like, special effects don't age well, typically, especially in the digital era of the the nineties through mid two thousands to to currently. They don't age well. I think they're completely passable, personally. Um, I don't know. I just I don't know. Sound effects are good in this movie. The sounds good, right? Can we agree on that? Like, I think across the board, I think it sounds really good. It won an Academy Award. The sounds are good. Um, we have to talk about the the soundtrack, or I guess the audio cues that John Woo uses oh. for this, because I have some issues with that as well. Uh, the chorus, the the biblical theme, I, I don't understand it. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, Caster seems to think of himself as a Christ-like figure on the cross. That's why he keeps putting his arms out like this, and, sure. and, and that keeps coming back, but it doesn't make... It doesn't tie in. There's no, he's not a Christ-like feature. Feature. He's he's not a Messiah at all. Yeah, you know who else wasn't a Christ-like figure, but absolutely tried to sell that. Charles Manson. Some people True. are just fucking crazy, dude. Like, and 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 what is the very first thing that happens to every sociopathic, psychopathic, maniacal, egomaniac, cult leader type person? The first thing they convince people of that really bolsters them and, and booms them into cult leader status is their their relation to to deification right to christ-like I, and i think really that you know if uh if caster troy weren't this sort of uh explosive in your face terrorist i think that he would absolutely be on a fucking ranch somewhere in arizona just leading people to their deaths okay all right good dis- good good defense i like it now we gotta talk about the doves we gotta talk about those doves. that's a problem i have <laughs> Oh boy, <laughs> John Woo likes doves, man. Right? I mean, y'all played Max Payne, right? Yeah, yeah. Max Payne is basically a uh, a riff on this film and a couple other ones, you know, Die Hard and whatnot, uh, Hard Target, those kinds of things. But um, man, way too many slow mo doves. Also, why tell your that you're a bad guy that you're there? Why tell him that you're in the church? I don't get it. It makes no sense. You're not giving your dis. Yeah, you know, you're at a disadvantage by giving away your position. It is kind of um, it is kind of sort of diametrically opposed to what Sean Archer's character would do, right? Because he's this like he's he's that ace cop. He's that expert FBI agent who would 
you know, he knows everything. He's got this mental bank of behavior and facts about this guy and all this different stuff like that. And so I can only, my only defense for this, I'm going to try to defend this movie literally in every point, by the way. <laughs> my only defense for this is the idea that he is so overcome with loss and rage at this point that at this point it has become more than, can you imagine a vendetta becoming more personal than the man killed your son? How about if he took your face and fucked your wife? That seems like maybe you want to just show that dude up. You know what I mean? Maybe you really want to grind his face into the dirt. And I think that's what that was, was letting him know, like, motherfucker, I'm here. You know? Yeah, I'd feel pretty sorry for him, though, if he took my face and banged my wife. I mean, I'd, I'd actually have a little pity for him at that point. Yeah. Because first well, he'd have my face. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, then he's got to keep her. I'm I'm not taking her back. He, he's her. He, she's his now. Because I mean, <laughs> you're free? Yeah, you're free. I mean, that <laughs> yeah, that would happen. Yeah. Living that single life. <laughs> that is an interesting idea, though. Is like, what what about the movie that could have been made where John Travolta was just like, all right, fuck oh. it. He gets he gets out of prison and he's like, no kids, no wife, no nothing. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it. Later, nerds. <laughs> and then it turns into a it turns into a Seth Rogen movie. <laughs> it's just John Travolta smoking weed in ever increasingly complex ways. All I can think of is a certain friend of ours in a certain chat we have going on, uh, kind of <laughs> feeling like they they kind of prefer to be single right now. Maybe I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. I would like to point out that that person is not me. I actually love my wife. I was just doing that for sheer comedy. Yeah, no, uh, that's <laughs> not me either, or Alex. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am very lucky to have the woman I have. I constantly uh, shocked at the fact that I date a solid like four numbers above my level. Oh yeah, me too. Yeah, no, I, she does. She doesn't realize I tricked her at all. Not at all. Yeah, my my trick was biology. <laughs> yeah, put that baby in there. Uh huh. <laughs> Trap them. <laughs> um, let's talk about who was originally uh, in mind for this film. It was not John Travolta. Uh, or Nicolas Cage. It was indeed Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, which that movie, like I want to see that <laughs> almost more than, than this movie. I, I don't, I don't think they could have done it. I just, I don't think either one of them could have taken on the others mannerisms and roles like John Travolta and Nick Cage. did. Those, those guys did a stellar job of acting like the other one would act as that character. Right. And that is, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. And that is no mark on my part against either of those actors. I actually, I actually like both of them very much, especially on Schwarzenegger. But I just, man, they are not character actors in that way. They are not, they are not cerebral people in that way. They get paid to be big boys, you know? When I first saw this movie face off forever ago in the theaters, I remember leaving there going, I did not think that was going to be good. But holy crap, they really, really did it. I mean, I was simply amazed because I- I've seen John Travolta in so many things before that. And I've seen Nick Cage yeah. in so many things before that. And I just, I'm used to how they act. And when they got up there on screen and they did the whole swap, I'm like, holy crap. That, I I was believing that there was Nick Cage stuck in John Travolta's body and vice versa. I, I was sure. believing it. I also very much like, I know we've kind of talked a lot about it, but I do very much like watching John Travolta as Nick Cage, even though I don't think he was as um, kind of chaotic and unbridled as Nick Cage's character truly was, you know, but I really think that uh, seeing John Travolta being kind of a, 
kind of a carefree maniac is a really fun thing. Um, he makes a good villain. He's a villain in a lot of movies. Um, unfortunately, they give him a very tiny goatee in a lot of movies as well, and that's not a good thing when you have such a big, big face. No, but um, he, plays, he does play a great villain. He really does. Have you seen John Travolta like in the last like three weeks, by the way? He's taken to this very weird kind of South African Zeph style, like Diane Ward sort of haircut. It's like he has like short bangs and then like shaved on the side of the head and kind of long in the back, almost like a mullet, but not really. And he's wearing like floral shirts around and like cargo. Sh- he's in a very weird place right now. John Travolta is in a very strange place. If you Google John Travolta and just click the news tab, I guarantee there will be pictures of it. And it's it's a look. I respect it. I respect that this man is just doing what he does. Is but, he still uh, like uh, inflated a little bit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, well, the guy's like, what? How old is John Travolta? He's in his sixties, right? I think. I think so. Sixty-four. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, fucking, I challenge any of your parents to look that good at that age. You know oh, yeah. I mean? oh yeah. Oh yeah. But of course, of course, you know, being crazy rich and having plastic surgeons on hand is a, is a thing. Uh, personal trainers and dietitians and stuff. But I mean, like the guy's aged well. He's got good genetics. We can say that. Uh, but I can't say that also in the year of our Lord 2018, that motherfucker has given up for some reason. I don't know if I don't know if he's like filming a role or if he's just being John Travolta, but it's it's very good. I don't think he's living. I don't I don't think he, he did so well with Wild Hogs, too. You know what I'm saying? Like the the mid to late 2000s were a bad time for him. There was a time in which he probably should have just retired and faded into obscurity and just lived rich forever and bought an island or something. Uh, and instead, he kept making motorcycle boy movies. <laughs> well, we got to talk about the box office for this movie because uh, it it actually did pretty well. Uh, it, I mean, it made its money back. It it cost eighty million to make, and domestically, it made one hundred twenty three ish, and then worldwide, it made two hundred fifty six million. Right, and that could be attributed probably to John Woo's influence, right? Because he he was huge in China, and China's a huge secondary market for Western film anyway, right? Uh, but he was huge in China as an action action film director. So, like, yeah, I mean, looking at the the raw numbers, uh, like you said, eighty million dollar budget, two hundred forty five point seven million dollar box office, like that's. Hey, man, I'm honestly shocked that we didn't see some sort of weird like sci-fi original or directed DVD sequel to this movie because it was a success. You know what I mean? And I just I'm, I'm shocked that that hasn't that hasn't happened. Don't give anyone ideas. They're they're trying to drill every well they can right now. It's fucking true. There is that sci-fi TV show called Face Off, which is just literally not even anything about this movie. at yeah, all. Yeah, it's actually make go- makes Googling and doing research on this film quite difficult unless you put the slash in there, which was done on purpose by John Woo. He put the slash in because he didn't want people thinking that this was a hockey movie. Okay. All right. Kind all of a right. brilliant idea. That seems, that. yeah, sure. Uh, can we talk about, because um, we were talking about uh, uh, original characters and characterization and stuff. So, John Woo, when he was brought on, because this film was shopped around for a long time, when John Woo was brought on, he also considered getting Michael Douglas as a character, uh, as one of the leads in this movie, who then ended up becoming executive producer. Yeah, I think I think Michael liked the script. He probably thought it was an interesting idea, and he recognized John Woo for, for who he is, and then just said, it's not for me, you know, it's not, it's not a good role for me, but I want to be part of the project. And it, was, it paid off for him. If he was EP on this, he got a share of the profits. So he made his oh, money yeah. back for sure. I would like to see, again, the imaginary world in which Michael Douglas was, you know, a uh, a Sean Archer character. Because, I mean, look, 
he was in Falling Down, right? He was a lead in Falling Down, I believe. Yeah, and that movie, man, if any movie could sell me on a man's acting potential, it's it's that one because that guy plays just the most uptight sort of baby boomer fucking type person that I can possibly imagine, and plays it so well, and then. You see that downward spiral. Like that's a movie we have to talk about at some point. We we have to talk about that movie. But yeah, I I would have watched that in the same year. The game comes out, nineteen ninety seven. Oh, Michael yeah. Douglas, and that's a great movie. I I people don't like it. I don't understand. I think it's one of one of the best movies uh, by David Fincher, uh, especially out of the nineties. And Michael Douglas just knocks it out of the park in that. Man, I haven't thought about that movie in a very long time. <laughs> wow i think it's a movie that's like prescient you know it's like it's ahead of its time completely oh, psychological sure. like it's a mind screw yeah i mean that's that's fincher's style though right i mean that's that's his whole thing it's just really fucking your head up uh i will say that i think that this movie face off is ripe for a remake and i think it could be done well Okay, who's your uh, who's your who's your uh, Castor Troy and who's your Sean Archer then, Caleb? Oh. We didn't think about this ahead of time like we did with the last episode, but who's your who's your guy? All right, definitely my boy Ryan Gosling. Is as always, uh huh. He's in every movie in Caleb's mind, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and who would he play against? I would say, you know what would be really fascinating is actually have Ryan play Castor Troy, the villain. Because he doesn't play villains very often. He's very... He's. I think Ryan Gosling's insane. But <laughs> Well, I know, but I mean like... Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, for sure. He's a bad guy most of the time. Right. Um, but who would he play opposite against? Chris Hemsworth. Oh my god. Right? right? I would watch that right now. <laughs> yep. Yep. Chris Hemsworth has enough of the goody-goody kind of look to him and everything. He's got the chiseled jaw. He could be... He looks like you're, you're a super cop type guy you know uh yeah. ryan gosling is handsome enough but also live enough i mean honestly if you look at the two body types it's kind of you know it's the it's the post hgh in every actor's body uh version of travolta and nick cage yeah and they both can do pretty good impressions from what i understand as well so they can they can be right. characters you know they're character actors man that would be cool see i went a completely different way with this i i went the complete extreme to make something absolutely corny and hilarious i was putting shia LeBeau with dwayne johnson Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> i was going complete <laughs> extremes and i was thinking in my head going man you know what my whole thing about the body type of those two together man if you put those two in the same movie together and say somehow you explain that that's how you change their face and you got their body that would be hilarious I mean, that's basically the plot of Rampage, right? It's like, yeah. Or, or, or no, Jumanji, rather, right? It's like That's kind of the, the thing I was going to say, is like if you rewrite this movie for, for 2018, 2019, you actually like do it the sci-fi way. You do Well, and that's what this movie originally was. This right. movie was originally a, a, a sort of near-future sci-fi situation. Yeah, um, it was John Woo who wanted to bring it back. Right, right. Um, and even so, like this movie was... What I like is when you read when you read about this movie, you know, you look at a Wikipedia article, it classifies it as like a sci-fi action movie. And that quantifies in my world, like sure, you could you could say that because there are like the maglev boots and the fucking face-off whole situation and all that stuff like that. But it also especially in the late nineties in the height of the like government conspiracy era that, you know, the big brother situation. I mean, fucking in ninety seven we were like we were like 
tiptoes away from a TV show called Big Brother. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Like there was that there was that postmodern paranoia kind of thing going on. Um to where like yes, this movie is technically classified as like an, an American sci-fi action movie. But I think most people wouldn't say that. I think most people would just say it's a fucking fairly realistic, although a little bit improbable, uh, you know, with, with the medical technology and stuff. But who knows what the government has behind closed doors? You know, in 97, I feel like most people believed <laughs> this thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's a little far fetched, but we're not far off from that. Right. Like we, we, they, the government can probably do that shit. Who would you do your face off with if you could trade places with anyone in the world? Alex, let's go with you. Matt first. Lauer. Oh, wow. You're, not, he is your our, nemesis. He is my nemesis. He is the person that I would absolutely trade places with, and I would fucking... Oh, wait! He already ruined his own career. <laughs> fucking dumbass. Um, yeah, I would I would force him to live with my children, or probably in a prison, actually, I think is better, because Matt Lauer apparently is a fucking monster. Uh, but I would absolutely love to like make my, make my good faith come back with his stupid face and be like, I'm really sorry, guys, public apology, blah, 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 and then just like, I would... I would fucking ruin that man again a second time i would devastate grandmothers across the midwest for a second time <laughs> you really hate him i mean i, I fucking I, so much for 30 like either, goddamn but... years almost i've been hating this man what about you cecil who would you switch with celebrity or otherwise well i was originally thinking ron jeremy but after that uh after that monologue he just gave right there i would have to go with my nemesis which would be Uwe Boll. <laughs> wow. Caleb, Caleb I, I, missed I would, the entire pre-call about that and then I would make a great movie and then I'd like in some weird like fit of rage I'd tear my own face off and be like ha ha I wasn't really him and I don't know I'd turn into some weird scary movie after that that's amazing but yeah after you said the whole nemesis thing I'm like well shit I could really fuck up his life couldn't I I was like well no his life's pretty fucked up anyways but I was like no I could really fuck it up more Yeah, and yeah. he'd I mean, be stuck with my wife Yes. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, trying to get rid of that wife. Really wow, trying. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting decision there. Uh, I don't know who I'd go with. I don't really have like a celebrity nemesis that I hate so much. Um, I would probably go with like someone's got a really great life that I would like to experience like Dwayne, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. That'd be pretty okay. cool. All right. That's a good answer. I was gonna. I was about to call you a coward and a loser for trying to be positive about this, but that's a really good answer. If I could be Dwayne the Rock Johnson, I'm also on board. Also, Triple H. I'm sorry. I know. Nah. I know he is not as big and beloved. He's he's very close to being as big. I know he's not as beloved as Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but the man looks like he might be my grandfather, and I'm. I'm just into it. All right. Yeah, I like I like modern day Triple H. He looks he looks like seventy seven hot dogs all melded into one human muscle with a beard, and I like that. (laughs) He does look like a big walking hot dog, huh? I love it, man. Not as much as Kurt Angle does, though. Kurt Angle looks like a hot dog you microwaved. Oh, you know what? Maybe I want to be (laughs) Jason Momoa. Ooh, also a good one. Can you imagine being that guy? You just walk into any any place, anywhere, and be like. Who wants one, to... one, you're one hair flip away from boning down every time. Dude. Exactly. It doesn't yeah, matter like, who, who it wants... is. You could bone anything. <laughs> now, are we talking about taking on like their whole body or just doing their face here? Oh, no, no. This is like a full body swap. Full oh. body swap. Freaky Friday style. Nah, fuck it. I'd still do a bowl. <laughs> yeah, I'd still, I'd still do Matt Lauer. I mean, the, the, the vengeance is too sweet. Yeah. 
Um, well, I hear that we have a voicemail. I want to wrap up talking about this movie because uh, I think we've said everything we have to say. Unless something else you guys want to talk about? No, nah, man. I mean, we touched on, you know, we touched on a lot of my little, my anecdotes and my opinions on it. What about you, Cecil? Uh, the only thing I want to bring up is that also when this film came out the same year, one of my favorite, abso- actually, it is my favorite uh, horror sci-fi movie that ever came out, which was Event Horizon. Oh, good movie. Solid. Absolute hands down favorite. This movie came out the same year as that. That's a movie that I went in and thinking that it was a science fiction movie. And it turns out it is very much a horror film um, with science fiction elements, obviously. But uh was not prepared for that. But I liked it. I had a movie that did that to me. What was it? Was it? Uh, it wasn't Sphere. That was the one with Samuel L. Jackson. And uh, that was uh, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't that. I think it was it was a movie. It was the movie with Cillian Murphy in it. I think it was um, Sunshine, maybe or Sunspot, or they sent a ship towards the sun and it had like this big reflector dish on it, and it was like supposed to be this long journey, this big problem, and they were going to try to like detonate the sun to bring like light back to Earth and this whole thing, whatever, like energy and shit. Uh, but there was like, so I'm thinking, oh, cool, it's a sci-fi movie. It's this. It's like a deep space adventure to try to detonate the fucking sun and bring energy back to Earth and you know save the people there and whatever. Those are underground. Cool. And then you discover that there's a stowaway from like a previous generation of the ship or whatever who's like somehow mutated and turned into a horrible monster man. And he like killed his entire crew by like lifting the UV vents on the fucking screen and like baked everybody alive. So it was like this walking burned man. It's an amazing movie. I forget the name of it. I think you're talking about Sunshine. I think that's what it is. Yeah. The movie's fucking incredible. And also it it flipped me that way. Sci-fi turned horror. Spoiler alert, by the way. That's not much of a spoiler. You figure that up. It, it's not even midway into the movie. All right. Cool. Well, I hear we have a voicemail. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So we've got this voicemail uh, from my dude, Andrew, who has um, so graciously called in and left us with some sort of message. Um, I did not previous preview this ahead of time. So there's a good chance this is like Tibetan throat singing or like analog synth music or Sasquatch imitations. Like it could be, it could be anything you guys. So just buckle in. Let's get ready. Uh, here we go. Yo, what up Geek Squatch? This is Andrew out here. I gotta say, I just watched this movie recently and it is fucking bonkers. Nicolas Cage is amazing in this movie. When he's in that priest frock and just headbanging to the choir. Ooh, that's a, that's a good meme right there. You should use that as a meme every day. I don't care what it's for, just use it. <laughs> also, just using a spear gun in that movie, that, that's, a, that's a that's an elite move right there, I gotta say. I mean, if you hit anybody with a spear gun in real life, on land, I think you should get a medal. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure, like, even if you get hit in the hand with one, you'll probably die because it's a spear gun. And, yeah. Here's some noises. <laughs> all righty then i wonder if that guy wants to redo the gna podcast intro i mean he's all i'm all for that now dude hit let me know i'll put you in contact with him this guy is a fucking he's a wizard (laughs) he's a he's a bona fide swamp monster and he's an amazing person (laughs) hey thanks andrew appreciate it dude um with that note i think we should get out of here um 
let us talk about where you can find us. By the way, guys, we're part of the Ninja Pancake Network. Uh, you may have heard of other shows on that, like Cecil's podcast, the GNA podcast. You want to tell them a little about it, Cecil? Yeah, so the GNA podcast is uh, it's games, nerds, and alcohol, where we get drunk and talk about stuff. Most of the time, we're talking about uh, you know video games and some nerd culture in some way, shape, or form. Uh, we don't. We all. Everybody who's on it is really from all different walks of life. So we've got the the old we got the old geezer me here that's been and seen everything and the guy's hatch as old as blue shark um and then we got blue shark the baby on there um and we have rotating casts on uh we actually uh we we actually love having anybody on only because we love hearing other perspectives but uh i would i would love to say that there's some sort of organization or script or something but we really just get horribly drunk and start talking about whatever the hell comes to mind or we play cards against humanity or or something like that that's a good time i've been on the show it was fun uh, you should give that a listen um if you're into like the tom clancy's the division it's a video game also you can listen to bombshell jackets i was on like two episodes ago um, by now and then of course there's loot shoot lane which is all about blizzard games um thanks to speaker freaks for the geek squatch theme check out their music at speakerfreaks.com subscribe to us on itunes rate us and leave us a comment we we really have appreciated by the way guys the, the recent comments we've seen we i think we read them uh, some of them last week or the week before and they just really give me personally a lot of energy to come do the show and it just makes me feel good, you know. People are actually appreciating what we do, and just keep that up because it really, it really helps us feel like we have a community and we have people that like to listen to us. And that just, that just makes me feel very warm inside in my cockles of my heart. Mm, you said, you said cock. cockles, indeed. Um, you can visit us on the on the internet at geeksquash.com. Email us at podcast at geeksquash.com. Follow us on Twitter at geeksquashpod. Um, you can follow Alex at W.A. Hirsch. You can follow me at Caleb MCC. And where can people find you, Cecil, on the Twitters? Uh, you can find me at Cecil versus Games or uh, at GNA Podcast. Either one of them I monitor and I'm on. Uh, you are also find me on Facebook, uh, pretty much everywhere else, Twitch, Mixer, Ustream as Cecil Xavier. Uh, or just search at GNA Podcast. We're pretty much the only one out there. Except for this other weird one that's the GNA podcast, but we've sent out hitmen. We don't expect them to be a problem much longer. Solid choice. Um, if you want to get on the show like Andrew does, uh, you can call us at 540-692-9165. Again, 540-692-9165. And um, we'll play it on the show. If you've got thoughts on Face Off, you can tell me how dumb I am for thinking this movie is dated and kind of bad. Uh, I, you know, one thing I forgot to mention, there's like dueling baldness in this movie. Do you guys notice that? Like, mm-hmm. Nicolas Cage has is, is got the fade, and also John Travolta has the fade, which is really funny because I watched that uh, Inside the Actors Studio interview like five years later, and his hair goes all the way back down to his Oh, yeah. Regular hairline. So he definitely got plugs at some point. Mm-hmm. Or it's a wig. Yeah. Eh, could be. Lot, could be. A lot of actors wear wigs. Tons of them. Yeah. Uh, Nicolas Cage is famous for some crazy hair pieces, too, by the way. I mean, like, if you just literally search Nicolas Cage hair, you'll get some great hits. Hey, uh, but I'm, I'm all for people wearing wigs. Whatever gives you the confidence to walk out 
I, I don't I don't give a rat's ass. But man, for sure, some wigs that I've seen though, pretty friggin' funny. Yeah. You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some stuff up. It's more fun. Plan B. Let's just kill each other. 